0: Peace and prosperity is my first salute to you. I'm Merton Clark, and welcome to the Word of Truth Revealed podcast. It is my desire to build you up to increase your spiritual stamina and tenacity, to empower effectiveness and help you discover your purpose. Enjoy this vibrant and dynamic message. Well, let's get into the word of god the lord is my shepherd if you're taking notes write it down i shall not want i am amply supplied there is an ample supply that god has reserved god never lacks funds he never lacks resources and he's going to get the ample supply to you let me say it again god is going to get an ample supply to you when those who are connected with the shepherd follow the shepherd the scripture says I shall not want. I am amply supplied. Follow the shepherd and the supply will always be there. He makes me to lie down, the scripture says, in green pastures. This really represents continuous nourishment. Continuous nourishment. During this pandemic, many of us lack the nourishment, the the social nourishment that we're used to. Some of us are lacking physical nourishment because we haven't tuned into a good diet. We are lacking in the diet. We're just eating everything because we're bored. And what God wants you to do is start focusing on green pastures spiritually. And the more you eat the greenery spiritually, the less you'll need junk food naturally. (laughs) Y'all didn't catch that, but I'm going to say it again. The more you enter into green pastures spiritually, the less you'll need junk naturally. People who dine on junk, that's physically, and they have their ear to the grind about everything that's going on in the street and know little about God. They're not entering into the green pastures spiritually. But God wants us to enjoy continuous nourishment. And I just decree and declare that that right kind of nourishment, though it's there, that a hunger, a, a, a deep hunger for it, that you would have a vivacious Hunger for the things of God, that you would make sure you're going after the things of God and that you eat it all up and nothing is left. Eat every crumb. Desire the crumbs that falls from the master's table. Even when you're offended, desire the crumbs. One woman came to Jesus and said, Lord, I need you to heal me. I need you to take care of something in my house. Jesus said, it's not good for me to give that which is holy to the dogs. That's what he said to the woman. Now, many of us, uh, we were thugs. We We were hard and champions in the world. But when we come to church or into family, we get so offended so easy, we give up. We become so sensitive when it comes to the things of God. But we were out in the street just just doing whatever. And then all of a sudden we become so soft when it comes to really dealing with some issues. This woman, this is what Jesus said. It is not good for me to give that which is holy to the dogs. The woman, instead of being offended, she had a need. She said, well, Lord, even the dogs we eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And when she said that, she arrested Jesus. And I want you to know, even if you can't get a full morsel, you should desire the crumbs. Because there's more in the crumbs that falls from the master than anything you'll get in the world. Don't allow your offenses to stop you from pursuing the things of God. He leads me beside the still waters. Which means he leads me to peace. My peace, peace in my mind and peace in my surroundings. And if you don't have peace in your mind, you could try to have peace in your surroundings or put on some Holy Ghost music and listen to it. But as soon as the music stops, the confusion comes back. We want peace in our minds. And if peace is in your mind and in your soul, you would see it processed in your surroundings. So let's get peace that past understanding, the kind of peace, the tranquility of thought and mind that shifts us. I got a new definition for peace. Not only is it tranquility tranquility of spirit, tranquility of heart, but peace is actually goodness and mercy following you. (laughs) It's when goodness comes alive, you can touch it. And mercy, you can feel it. It starts following you all of the days of your life. And then when you have goodness on one side, mercy on the other, you're boxed in with peace. Hallelujah. And the devil can't disturb it. Verse 3, he restores my soul, my mind. And I'm gonna be ministering on the restoration of the soul. Please write it down, restoration. When you follow the shepherd, hallelujah, there's constant restoration. He knows where you are, but when you follow him, he will restore you. Some of us need daily restoration. Some of us need weekly restoration. Some of us need monthly. About every month we start losing it. And some of us need yearly restoration. Glory to God, I need daily restoration. I've just learned to understand that I need God to restore me every morning. His mercies are new every morning. Hallelujah. His grace is sufficient for me. And it is by the grace of God that I am that I am. And I just decree and declare when you start warning the restoration of God, just like when you sleep at night, your body is being restored from all of the wearisome toils of the day. You should think like that when it comes to your spirit. Lord, while I rest in you, restore the joy of my salvation. Since your mercy is restored every morning, let me receive daily restoration as well. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. In the paths of righteousness, please write it down. The path of righteousness is direction. For his namesake, he gives me direction. He guides me. There's guidance and divine direction that comes from the shepherd and he actually guides and gives us direction through our moral compass. So pull out your moral compass right now. I said moral compass. And I want you to dust it off. The more we walk with God in purity and in righteousness, the more we can sense his guidance. When we compromise as it relates to the righteousness, the moral compass, you can't tell me you you, you that his direction is a, is acute in your life. There will be a distortion In the vocals of God, you won't pick up the vibration when he's speaking to you if you don't have your moral compass in your hands and in your heart. So when the Bible says that he leads me in the paths the paths notice it's not just the path to become successful or the paths to get my name known but he leads me in the paths it's a very clear the paths of righteousness or he gives me a moral compass and he gives me direction and insight on how to follow those paths now if that doesn't mean anything to you what I said won't mean a thing but if you really want to find your destiny or the goal at the end of the rainbow you need to walk down paths of righteousness hallelujah glory to God and when you do you begin to discover that God has something in store for you Jesus said it like this in Matthew 6 and 33 seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and then all of these things will be added to you so I believe I'm in the book <laughs> I believe I'm in the book I try not to preach my mind I preach what the book is telling me to say and there are people who want to preach philosophies today, but I'm preaching the book. And the Bible says in the last days, people would not want to endure soundness. But they want te- teachers having, it- having itchy ears that says the kind of things that we like. But I'm here to tell you, put your moral in, dust it off, and start going down paths of righteousness, and peace will flood your heart. Look at verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. There are shadows and then there are, uh, their substance and there's shadows. Da- David is not saying death is in the valley. He's saying there's a shadow of the valley of death. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's saying the substance is not there, but I do feel a little fear. It's not like David was afraid to die. He believed God had his hands. If he follows the prescribed plan, he's not going to die. Nobody will die. I will put it this way. Less people will die if they just followed instructions. But when you step out of instructions, anything can happen. If you decide to ride with no seat, uh, seat belt, you're more likely to get hurt in an accident. If you go over the speed limit you're more likely to get in an accident. If you won't follow the CDC guidelines, even if you're a church, things can happen to you. So let's follow the prescribed plan. Though I walk, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Notice there are shadows and then there are substances. And here we see not the substance of death, but the shadow of death. Don't let shadows... Don't let shadows cause you to step out of God's will. Notice what he says, I will fear no evil for you're with me. That you're here, you're you're here with me, your presence is with me. So I want you to get this, I want you to get this, I will not fear evil because God is with me. And a lot of times we focus on the shadow, uh, uh, the valley of the shadow of death and not focus on the fact that he's with us. I'm going to talk more about that in a few in a few minutes, that God is with you wherever you are. He's with you. Even if fear is trying to invade you, I preached on fear. Don't pet it. Fear is not a virtue. Don't allow fear to hit you. God is going to take care of you. I decree and declare that God is going to bless his people during this time more than you receive during time of plenty. We're in the season of Isaac. And the Bible says, during a time of famine, Isaac prospered a hundredfold. And if you start believing God, doing while the world is frantic, God will allow you to rise up. That's the kind of God that we serve. Glory to God. Notice the word: Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Then he goes on to say, Your rod and your staff, Uh uh-oh. Your rod and your staff. Uh-oh. Your rod and your staff comforts. Now, the rod is for correction. The staff is for comfort. But they're all on the same stick. And so with the rod, God comforts. I mean, he he corrects. And with the staff or the hook, he's able to comfort and get you back into the fold. Being a part of the fold is comfort. Isolation is discomfort. The world has got it backwards. There are people, I just like to be alone. No, you don't. No, you don't. You like to be alone because flesh says stay alone because deeds are evil. And as long as deeds are evil and you stay alone, they won't know. You need to be able to say because sheep love to be in herds. And if you're the Lord, if the Lord is your shepherd, there's something about him that you're going to gravitate to. And you will start trying to be a part of the collective, not an individual bucking the system. Well, I'll preach myself happy. And if you have a tendency to stray, that is not a good mark to be connected with the shepherd. So I rebuke rebellion and I thank God for that cohesiveness that God wants to bring to your life as you begin to pursue the shepherd. Go after him. Your rod and your staff comforts me. Notice correction comforts as well as a blanket. If you correct a child, if you correct a person, they may not like it when it's happening, but the Bible is clear. After a few days, they'll love you more. Parents. That baby their kids all of the time. The kids wind up growing up. And as soon as you tell them no. They don't want to speak to you no more. What you have to learn how to do is correct it. And I'm not talking about being mean. Sit down. Shut up. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm talking about loving on them. But at the same time when they're wrong. You need to bring it out. And you need to be stern. Because that same one will grow up. And not speak to you. I've been pastoring for a long time. And I've seen. hurt mommies and hurt daddies as kids grow up they get they'll find another family and act like they don't know you so what you want to do is make sure that you're laying the right things down correct your son and he'll bring joy to your heart correct your daughter i'm not saying being mean now you got to loosen up a little bit okay it's not just my way or the highway have some wisdom up in here but you need to learn how to be stern and i'll move on because y'all not saying amen I know what I'm talking about. Okay. So get the lesson from me. I've seen hundreds of families and I know what I'm talking about. Kids will get their education and then they'll be like, I'm smarter than you. <laughs> You're stupid. <laughs> Lord, help me. Jesus. Verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now this is very powerful. God prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Yes. Yes. In the presence of my conflicts, he prepares a table for me. So what should I focus on? The enemy, the conflict, or the table that's set? Uh, Many of us don't even look at what he's prepared on the table. We're still looking at the enemies. But yeah, I got to keep my eyes on you trying to be like michael Coleone, you got to have your enemies close your friends close but your enemies closer stop trying to take these things from the world and read what the scripture saying the way you deal with your enemy is to let god prepare a table before them they get mad when they see you eating a steak right before them when they're eating bologna and you eating a steak it's the best revenge let god give you a steak while they're still eating bologna that's what he does. He will prepare a table before you and it's set for you. He's the waiter. He's the cook. He makes sure it's right and it's tailor-made for you. Like Zophnophanea when he brought his brothers to Egypt, when they came down to Egypt, the Bible says Joseph sat them at a table and gave them each their favorite meals. Hallelujah. He made sure that Reuben had his meal and Simeon had his meal and Levi had his meal and Judah had his meal and Issachar had his meal and Naphtali had his meal and Gad had his meal and Asher had his meal. And the beat goes on and it was their favorite meal and he set them up from the the, the top age or the, the oldest to the youngest. Even Benjamin, but he brought Benjamin a little closer and made sure he had delicacies and everything that he wanted as he hid his identity. He prepares a table before you in the presence of famine. He prepares a table before you in the presence of setback. He prepares a table before you when you don't know how you're going to make it. And instead of focusing on the famine and the setback and the soldiers and all that is going against you, look at the meal He prepared. It's your favorite. And from eating that, you should be able to gain some strength. How did he know that? How did he know this is what I wanted? How did he know that was the desires of my heart? Because the meal is supposed to draw you closer to the cook. Hallelujah. Bless his name. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my conflicts. Focus on the meal. He anoints my head with oil. And I just decree and declare that a warm oil. I say it all the time. Where are the oily people at? And we got a lot of dry people. It's dry. Bishop, it's dry. It's dry. God wants to release some oil and you can get it in your vessel. Hallelujah. He's going to fill you up with some oil. He anoints my head with oil. Stop trying to preach to people and minister to others when you got a dry well yourself. Let him anoint you. And when he anoints your head with oil and your cup runs over, the anointing is for you. But the overflow is for the people that you minister to. The overflow is for your family. And so if you have a hard time with your family, spend more time with God. He'll give you oil for your head and your cup will run over and you can serve them all like Joseph served all of his brothers because he had an overflow. Thank you, God. No lack at all. He wasn't looking at their plate saying, I'm hungry. When y'all going to give me some? He's the server. He's the one preparing the table before you in the presence of your conflicts. Thank you, God. And God will do the same for you. Surely. Goodness and mercy, verse 6, will follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell. I will abide on the vine in the house of the Lord forever. Don't break covenant with the house of God. There's a tendency right now in, uh, with this present age to say we don't need organized. We have our personal relationship, but there are things you don't know about God. You don't know it about God's servant David. You don't know it about any of the patriarchs. You just feel like what you know is important, but you gotta get the pattern from the word. Don't forsake the house of God. Think about the house of God, the place where you gather, because there's joy in the house. There's joy and there's room at the cross. I wanna take a moment and look at this boy called The shepherd boy who became king, his name is David. Very strong name. There's a lot of Davids in the world. And if your name is David, I want you to listen. But even if your name isn't David, you can have a Davidic kind of anointing. Reading this passage uh, of scripture many times, that is the 23rd Psalms. Reading this passage of scripture many times at several different points in my life has caused me to see it differently during major shifts in my life. For instance, when I was a young boy, a little lad, my mother had us to recite this Psalm until we memorized it, and I'm glad she did. But I never really focused on the shadow of death or yea, though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I was kinda camped out in the first verse, the Lord is my shepherd. I really don't have to worry anything about anything because he's my shepherd and I shall not want well I'm hungry mama uh, so it couldn't mean that what did it mean um, what do you mean I can't I shall not want does it mean he supply all of our needs or just some of them so I didn't really understand the rest of it i memorized it but didn't understand it but as a uh, young adult as a newly married man it took on a new meaning when I read that scripture Uh, I have a family now, so i got to be deeper than just the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want because I have to supply for others. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Then he makes me lie down in green pastures. That is, he makes sure I have everything I need, not only for me, but for my family. He leads me beside still waters. I have to have peace. I can't expect my family to give me the peace. He gives it to me. And a lot of times when we misdirect When we're expecting humans to bring peace to our soul, we'll be out in the street trying to find it when only God can bring peace to your soul. So I had to go beyond chapter uh, 23 and verse 1 and 2. I had to dig a little deeper. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. What do you mean? What do you mean restoring my soul? When I was a little kid, I didn't I didn't feel like I need my soul restored. But after you get hit a few times in life, you realize that you need daily restoration. When I became a father, this this passage uh, uh, opened up even the more to me as I begin to grow as a man. I begin to recognize that if my shepherd is taking me to green pastures and I have a son or daughter, I have to make sure they find green pastures. That doesn't mean I give them everything they want. It means I have to take them to grazing ground. A place where they can feed themselves. I have to start a book club. You need to read a book. You need to stop playing games and read a book. You need to feed your mind. I begin to open up because now I'm a father. I'm not going to win your love by buying you gifts because that only lasts until your feet outgrow the shoes. I need to show you how to be a young man by leading you into new paths. I got to show you that doing the things you're doing is not righteous. You need to come back to God. You have a tendency to get out of bounds and I'm not going to applaud it. You need to get back in the bounds. You have a tendency to walk around women with your shirt off. They laugh. They say, look, at, look at that chest. But I don't laugh at it. You need to dress up when you go around your sister and your mother. Ah, you're too hard. You're too hard. You're too hard. And you don't know how to raise boys. That's why God raised me up so I can help you. They don't supposed to be beating their chest. There's only one Kosiyama kosi in the house, and that's father. The rest of everybody needs to submit until you come. And when you have a house, you will thank me for showing you how to do it. Everybody want to criticize the fathers, and fathers don't know how to handle their sons when they get criticized. Shut them down. You won't know what it's like, son, until you have your own. So, right now, you need to submit. Eventually, you'll get out there and you're going to thank me for what's happening right now. Anybody can talk noise when you're under someone else's shelter, but when you've got to provide your own, things shift. Even your religion will shift. God takes care of our needs. We need to be bold. Okay, where's the rent money? I ain't got, well, you start doing the rent money dance then. I got to shout. I got to shout. Hallelujah. Because they told me if you praise him, the blessings will come down. Really? (laughs) You'll be doing the rent money dance if you don't have money to pay the rent. (laughs) Again, today, as I read this passage and countless other times in between, the psalm has taken on new meaning. I've grown. I've grown up hearing Psalm 23. Reciting it and knowing that God will take care of me and he will not stop. And I will not want. How many times have you read this psalm, and how many times have you thought about it? I'm talking about deeper. How do I get these blessings and these promises that are mentioned in this passage? How do they come? How do they materialize? You said goodness and mercy will follow me. Well, what happens? How do I get it? I don't sense it. You ever wondered that? You ever come to uh, a point in your life and say, how did this materialize in my life? How do you apply Psalm 23 to your life? It's all all about good, right? It's all about the good thing, right? The godly thing, the ungodly, the unsaved can read this song, recite it, and they'll see a blessing following them. Before I dig into it a little deeper, I want to just give you some history about the man who wrote it. His name is David. He's the second king of the United Kingdom. Of the Hebrew people. He's an ancestor of Jesus Christ himself. A writer of numerous psalms. Over half of the psalms are written by this man alone. And there's 150 of them. He's mentioned uh, uh, in depth in 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles. Starts out by being called the shepherd, a shepherd boy. Write it down. He was a guide and protector of sheep. Helpless sheep. And God looked at the way he handled those sheep, even when he was tested to determine his heart for the kingship. And how you handle what you're dealing with right now, even if it seems mundane, will determine how high you climb. If you can't be trusted with where you are, don't think God is going to promote you to where you want to go. Can you handle it? The guide and protector of sheep. A she-bear came at one of the sheep. He was able to catch her. I don't know if it was a she-bear. I'll just say a bear. I don't want to, ladies, don't, ladies, please don't throw nothing at me. A lion. I'm not going to say it was a lioness. I just say it was a lion. Scripture don't say what kind. It was a male lion or female. But both of them that came after David's sheep, he was able to slay them. How he did it? He actually said he grabbed it by his beard. God gave him supernatural strength. I don't know how that happened with a young boy, but he did it. The second thing you need to see about the guy, he's not only a shepherd, but he's a musical, watch this, soloist. He didn't have a band, but he loved the player's heart. And he's out in the field writing love songs unto the Lord. When he was in isolation, he didn't just sit there and vegetate. He was putting down words to music and writing love songs to Jesus. To God, and when God was looking for a successor to a fallen king, his spirit found him in the fields there in Bethlehem, laying on his back, playing the harp. You want to be discovered by God? You want to be the next sensation? Where is your worship? How do you worship God? What do you feel about God? Do you really want restoration? Then worship him. Not only was he a shepherd and a musical genius or a soloist, but he was a soldier. He was a warrior. He didn't really join the army. He was kind of drafted after he killed a giant without going through any basic training. Just because of his faith, he comes along the battlefield, see a giant standing out there. He was huge, defying the armors of God. And so he decided to attack the giant himself. I think I can take him on. And he did. Come walking out of the fog with a big head in his hand. Carrying the man's armor and his sword. Cut his head off like he said he was going to do. Read the text. It's in the book of 1 Samuel. And it will bless you. Not only was he the shepherd and the musical soloist and the soldier. But he was the sought. He was pursued or he became a fugitive. As he began to rise in the kingdom, jealousy hit King Saul. So much so that Saul said, I'm going to kill the boy. And he tried to pin him against a wall several times with a javelin. And I'm amazed when we read the scripture, how how we, we get all tied up when we find out people on the job don't like us. Or when people don't care about us, when you find it out, you should be able to say, okay, that's just the way it goes when you're anointed. The key is to stick with the shepherd because it's the shepherd that protected David when he was a shepherd. And when it gave who gave him the musical uh, inclination, who gave him the ability to write music, he was the one who helped him as a warrior. Now was a fugitive. He's helping in him. And it's amazing how God can allow us to be anointed and give us all these promises. And then here comes a pandemic. And it seems like we're on the run. But don't worry about that. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Not only is he the salt in the fugitive, couldn't find any rest, but he's the sovereign. He becomes king of Israel. First king over Judah, and then he becomes king over all Israel. The shepherd king. Wow, what a story. Don't just sit on the throne now because he has problems. He's not only the sovereign and he's the salt and he's the soldier or the soloist and the shepherd, but he's also the sinner he's the guilty while in the lap of luxury everything going well he fell into a major major sin and he was guilty as charged actually when the prophet came to him and gave him a story and what do you think should happen to this man who took this and did that David said the man should be killed Nathan said but you are that man isn't it amazing how we point fingers ooh. When other people fall, when we got the same thing going on in our lives, where's your moral compass? I'm not pulling my shade over my eyes to say, well, Clark, you are okay. And they're all not okay. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory. But the key is to spin out of it, to, to, to shift out of it, to not let it grip you. And I can't get no help right now. You're not telling us what we came to hear this morning. I'm telling you how to be a good shepherd and how to be a good sheep. Not only was he the sovereign and the sinner, but he also was the sorrowful. After he got caught, he didn't say, but look at them. And it wasn't me. He said, I repent. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgression. Then he becomes the statesman. While king, something happened, a three-year plague hit the land. Notice a three-year plague hit the land in which he was king over. And it wasn't because of something David did. It wasn't because of his sin. It was something that happened because of his predecessor, which was Saul. Saul attacked the Gibeonites and because of that God because Israel had went in covenant with the Gibeonites and Saul broke the covenant and a three year plague hit the land David said what do you want me to do he became a negotiator a statesman he went to Gibeon and negotiated how can we make this happen the Gibeonites said we believe some of the sons of Saul need to be executed David agreed and had them all hung and let their bodies hang To stop the plague. Thank you, Jesus. So, everybody want to be like David? For real? (laughs) You need to read the entire Bible and you'll see some things happen to us or to our land when there's no justice. He also commits another crime, he became a statistic seeker. He numbered The children of Israel, which means he looked out and said, look what i built. I got the best ships. I have the best Patriot missiles. I got the the best technology and I spent more money. I built it all up. I can number all of my soldiers. Look at them. Look how powerful we are. We're the most strongest in the land around the world. That's what David did. Learn from David. Right after that, a plague hit the land. And 70,000 people died. 70,000. Where are we at right now in America? Around 65. I'm not saying, I'm just saying things that make you go, hmm. It's all in the text. There's nothing new under the sun. When you start talking about how powerful we are, God has a way of shaking all of that up. You can have patriot missiles, but you can't handle Corona because it don't care about boundaries. It doesn't care about walls. This, you know what's really going to stop Corona, coronavirus or COVID-19 is humility. When we submit to God and say, God, you are the one. You're the sovereign over America. It was you that built this great land. It's because of you that we are surviving. It's because of you that the Civil War didn't divide us. It's because of you that slavery stopped. Not just Lincoln. You gave him the wisdom. It's because of you through the president that we were able to do what we do. And now it's because of you that we have this great military. And we must give you praise. We're not going to do a parade in Washington to think about how, build, how large we built the military but we just gonna have a parade for God Amen. and you will see Corona stop at the borders of America when we humble ourselves if my people my people America which are called by my name would humble themselves And pray and seek my face, not seek the number of their their ships and their submarines and how large their armies are. And how large, how large, glory to God, or their Coast Guard and their Air Force and their Space Coast or their Space Force. But how large is God in the land? And if you bring up judges and put judges on the courts, you got to give God praise. Not I did it, but thank God that he gave me the wisdom. And I hope somebody will share that with the president. Not only was he the statistic seeker and he numbered Israel and 70,000 died. And it was David himself that had to offer, humble himself and offer a sacrifice unto the Lord that stopped the plague from growing. He's the one that opened up the plague by work speaking words that he shouldn't speak in the position that he holds and we need to do the same thing here in america one of our greatest problems in america is we have freedom of speech which simply means anybody can say whatever they want no nation on the face of the earth has ever seen that kind of liberty you couldn't do it in israel and you couldn't do it when david was alive but we can do it here in America, and we haven't really treasured that. Paul said it like this, don't let your liberties cause you to sin. Don't turn the dial, please. Don't get mad. Some of y'all, y'all can't handle it, man. But I'm preaching the gospel. I preach it to every creature. That's why I'm not a politician. I don't try to run for office. I see a lot of people. I'm running for office. But you got to be able to stand over and against what's going on. You can't live in Trump towers and then prophesy against it. You have to be able to stand outside of it to say, President, I love you, I appreciate you, but you're going too far with this. Did you see the scriptures here? Not only was he the statistic seeker, but he became the sponsor. The Bible says he began to amass and dedicate, collect resources for the building of the temple. It wasn't built yet, but he said, you know what? I need to put money in the bank, gold in the bank. I need to make sure everything is in place so my son can build a temple. Billions of dollars. He didn't say, I'm just going to buy an island myself, but God needs a house. He also became a scribe. He began to record the book of Psalms. Over half of them are written by David. He became a writer. Last but not least, number 12, he became sagacious. He began to exhort Solomon to act like a man of God, to be true to the word of God, to rely on the promises of God, and to execute the judgments of God. And so, Psalm 23, I won't be able to finish it all, and we're going to take communion in a moment. At least I will. I'm going to do it virtually. Psalm 23. To really understand this psalm, to really understand, I praise Psalm 23. You need to understand that sheep are not obstinate. They're conformist. And right now, to say that, even now, it raises, causes people to rise up within themselves. That self-reliant type spirit. I think for myself I have my own truth I do what I want and really you you when you start saying that especially in the kingdom of God which God gives us all free will but we are to submit our will not to man but to God and God has order and structure sheep conform to the will of God they have in the scripture what we call goat and sheep the goat is is kind of in the Bible uh, it determines or it depicts um, a self-will uh, egocentric self willed personality, one that has their own vote on voice and books everything that God lays out, even intellectually. But the sheep conform. They enjoy being in a group. Now right now we're isolated and people are actually going crazy. but when you when you take the isolation off, people will go back to their predetermined isolation. They don't go to a herd, they go to isolation or to groups that do what they do. So we, we don't like anybody, but when, when it's come time for us to kind of stay alone for a little while, we start going crazy, like stare crazy, like it's a prison. But you don't like to hang around anybody anyway. You're always alone. What are you talking about? This should be easy for us. Go home. Garage needs to be cleaned out. And watch that butter pecan. Watch that sherbet. Watch that vanilla ice cream. A whole gallon overnight? A whole gallon? Come on, man. You got to put it to the curb. You got to get so good that you can just take one scoop, a teaspoon, a tablespoon. (laughs) Taste it, put it in a bowl, or two of them, and put it aside. I'll get back with you next Friday. (laughs) I'll come back for seconds next Friday. (sighs) Temperance in all things. (laughs) Sheep find protection in numbers. They naturally realize. And there's some wolves that will never get you if you just stick together. They're good this way, but people often are not. And so when we start talking about father, shepherd, and sheep, I ain't no sheep. Then what are you? If you're part of the body of Christ, you need to be a sheep. And if you get saved, you need to learn how to operate like a sheep with the shepherd. Humanity has not been much of a conformist. Uh, One of the revolutionists said something like this, give me liberty or give me death. And he was heralded as a a wonderful person. I fight against the system. Give me liberty or give me death. But when anybody else says it today, then they they are a troublemaker. We don't understand these things. In the kingdom, we need to be able to submit to the things of God. Secondly, I want you to think about Psalm 23 and how it applies To your life today. I have some benefits that God wants to give to me. And I have some things that he wants you to experience as well. I realize and I want you to write this down as I close. I have to be God's sheep. I have to be a sheep. I have to study his word and apply it to my life. That's what it means to be a sheep. I have to be his sheep. I have to get his word in me and apply it to my life. That's what the sheep do. Get his word, the green pastures, and apply what you're eating to your life. To be treated like a sheep, to receive its protection, to get the still waters, the green pastures, I must start applying what I'm eating to my life. I have to act like I'm a part of his herd. Not an obstinate person, but I'm submitted to him. So how should you act? Well, you need to calm yourself down. Three things God wants you to do. Control your appetite because he controls. Got to say you're in charge. He protects and he provides for his sheep. And if you want him to correct, I'm sorry, to control, be in control, he protects and he provides. That's what he requires to be a part of his herd. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. You control it. You protect me. And you provide for me. Now, this is a king who says the armies is not protecting me. You are. It is not my chariots that's protected me. It's you. It's not the fact that I got these nations submitted to me. It's you. It's not the fact that I've extended the kingdom to the Euphrates River on the west and to the east. To the west, the Mediterranean Sea, and to the east, the Euphrates River. He extended the kingdom. He took all of that territory. But he said it was you. You're in control. You really protect me, and you provide for me. And that's what I want you to say right now. Lord, you protect, you control, and you provide. That's what it means to be a sheep. So don't run from that. Let God speak to your heart. I'm submitted to God like that. You're in control. You protect me. I can't protect myself and you provide for me. To me, that's good news because as a man, I kind of felt like I'm supposed to be the complete protector of my family, but not so. There's a portion that I need him to do. The Bible said you can watch over the house all day unless God watches over it. Your labor's in vain. So if you're sitting there trying to make sure everything is in place, And you're not really looking at him as the protector, as the one that's in control and the one that provides. You'll you'll wind up short. You'll find out that your efforts will come up short every time. Because there's just some things parents will never see. There's some things about your kids that you will never know. Only God knows, just like there are things about you that your mama never knew. (laughs) Man, I'm preaching. If your mama knew everything about you, she'd be screaming. If your daddy knew everything about you, he'll lose his mind. Thank God for the true shepherd who knows everything about you. Watch this. He knows us and he still loves us. He know me and you still love me. Thank you, Jesus. Let that soak in your soul. You know me. And you still love me. You know every scar. You know every brace. You know every failing. and Yet you show me love. I have to love you back. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for this time together in your word. Even as I share more in the next service, I pray. That those who are watching will catch this, I pray, Psalm 23, and help us to catch the brand by applying the word and how we apply Psalm 23 to our lives. That we must apply the word to our lives. We become sheep that follow you. We must submit to the fact that you're in control, you protect, and you provide for us. And Father, I thank you for providing for your people. I decree and declare a restoration of the soul, a cleansing of the heart, a security of the mind, an extension, Lord, of our efforts, our abilities. Watch over us. And I just decree and declare that goodness and mercy will follow us all of the days of our lives as we dwell in the house of the Lord. Forever. In Jesus' name, amen. It has been a real joy to share the word of God with you. A special thank you to those who care for this ministry. No amount of financial support is too small. It is because of you this ministry is possible. To support us, go to our website at truthrevealed.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share with friends. Be sure to tag us when you share at TrimNation1. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'll see you at the Word of Truth Revealed.